You're listening to Insights for Living with Pastor Boju Oyemade. Pastor Boju is the senior pastor of the Covenant Nation. Genesis 18 and verse 19. So you see a person like, like Abraham. Judgment. Look, Abraham brought out Lot. Lot was his nephew. The only reason why Lot had cash, money like that, was because of Abraham. He had silver and gold plentiful. Then there was some crisis there. And it was now time. This is what we call judgment. He now said, there's strife here. And Abraham went to meet him. Let there be no strife between us. Abraham's judgment was Lot. Take anything you want. It's unusual. He said, what will bring peace to you? Take it. I've told people in this church, they said, living church, they said, no problem. Whatever you say was the reason for leaving church. Now, me and you know what happened. Whatever you say outside, I will back you. I will never, even if you say that Pastor Kodji came and knocked my head, eh, to protect you, I will back you. You won't hear me contradict it. You get what I'm saying? Tomorrow, when something happens, you will say, how did it happen? He told Lot, choose. I mean, Lot stood up and chose the best. Abraham said, are you okay? Yes. The Bible says, after Lot was separated from Abraham, God said, lift up your eyes. That's judgment. Which means the way you arrived at decision there is beyond what a normal mind would do. The natural thing is to react emotionally. Who are you? Look at this. Look at this small boy. Look at this small boy. You followed me. I gave you. You are now. You are now. It's not your fault. Then he ran into trouble where he was. Abraham did not say, "Hey." Shabir, we told him, you stupid boy. Abraham gathered people trained in his house, risked everything to go and deliver lots from trouble. He didn't say, Shabir, we told you. Then judgment was coming. Abraham went to intercede again. Can you understand his disposition there? You can't walk in feelings and enter destiny. So Abraham, and you see this about Abraham here, Genesis 18, quickly from verse 17. It says, and the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and a mighty nation. Now, can you imagine what to say here? This is God, not a person. If the richest man in the world came and said to you, you started business, you know, can we, can we enter into partnership now? Seeing that this, your business, is going to be the biggest in the world, ah, you'll be saying, so, so, and so told me, I'm going to. Now, you want to ask him, why do you, what do you see in this business? He says, the way you have approached this business, the way you have gone about this business. I mean, they asked Warren Buffett, how do you invest? He said, I don't invest in ideas, I invest in people. I look at the people who are making the decisions there. 
So, yeah, someone said, now God comes and God says, sin, for God to say that. Now, what did God see? Verse 19. He says, for I know him that he will command his children and his household after him that they shall keep the way of the Lord to do what? Justice and judgment. It says, and the, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken. In other words, you conduct your affairs in a certain way that the Lord will do what? Bring on you what he has said. So you can behave in certain ways. That when God is trying to bring it on you, your behavior carry the thing back Your tweets carry the angel away. Are you following what I'm saying? Your reactions, all right, just carried it. So it says that I may bring upon. And that's what Peter Daniel was talking about with his son. That look, don't let this thing scatter what you want to do. That I may bring upon that which I've said. Matthew 23, 23 tells us the weightier matters of the law. It says you have done all these things, but you have omitted the weightier matters. And what are they? Judgment. This thing we're saying here. How you make decisions. Judgment. Mercy. And faith, which is faithfulness. That's what he's talking about there. So it talks about faithfulness there. Mercy. And judgment, how you make your judgment calls in issues. How are you going to judge this particular thing? Now, as I close, nothing creates an open heavens. This is another massive statement. In your life, more than the way you treat other people. Before you go and fast and pray for open heavens or sacrificial giving, let's first look at how you treat other people. How courteous you are. You know, I went to see Pastor Debe once. I, I, that was in my deep interaction with him, asking him things about ministry. He said something to me. I, 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 when he said it, I, I, you know, that's how I knew. This, he said, look, and it's true. He said, he said, for you to succeed in ministry, God anoints you, but people must accept you. He said, if they don't accept you, you will just be anointed by yourself. And the way you treat people determines whether they accept you or not. Because David was anointed. He killed it. But it was until the people said, this is our king. Because you can't be king over people that don't accept. You're an emperor without clothes. If, if people push back, and if you don't understand that, and just think that, well, you know, I'm arrogant, and, I'm, and that's what's causing the problem, and, and the thing is just causing things God wants to bring to lift. I mean, if, if Paul said, when I got exalted on the inside, he said a messenger of Satan came. It means that if you humble yourself, it brings multiplication. How do we know that this is the most important thing, not sacrificial giving? Before you give anything, God says, if you have what in your heart against your brother, resolve that first. The people that fasted and prayed in Isaiah 58, it says, wherefore we fasted and cried and you have not taken no knowledge of it. He said, the way you treat people. Before you come and say, he says, this is the fast that I have chosen. Before you come and say, I fasted, God, I didn't take food, I didn't drink water, 
I didn't drink water. But in the midst of you didn't drink water. You sat down with people, don't mind this useless. Yeah, you going to say anything. Mean spirit. It says, uh-uh. first of all, go and deal your bread to the hungry. First of all, go and, go and do this. First of all, change your attitude towards people. Change that disposition that you have, all right, towards people. Change it. First John chapter 4 and verse 20 tells us, it says, you can't claim to come and love God. Say, well, I'm deeply spiritual. I, mean, I, just, I just spend time in the spirit, you know, just worshiping Jesus. Just, I'm just, I'm just, and then you look at every other person like they're carnal and like they don't know what they're doing. All right? It says, if a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he can see, how can he love God whom he has not what? Seen. God said, don't come and do any fraud here. You haven't seen me anywhere. The people that are before you, you are not loving. You are not claiming. That's why you want to get away with it because nobody has seen God. So you are saying, I just mean Jesus. <laughs> it says the people, how do we know how much you love God? How well you love people. For it is impossible, it says, for you to have any relationship with God that doesn't translate into relationship with men. That's what First John was teaching. So how do you treat people? I'm telling you, these are the little foxes that are spoiling the vine. These are the things that people are doing. And, you know, they practice faith mechanically. That's why he says, of these three things, the greatest is love. So how do you treat people? So begin to look at that and examine that. I bring this to a close here. Uh, the last one now is even the imaginations you have towards other people affect you. Your hidden thoughts that you didn't voice out, but inside. When the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, that thing he's talking about is what you project to other people. What do you project, all right, into the lives of people? Uh, let me show you this. Zechariah chapter, chapter, we close with this, chapter 7 and verse 7 to verse 14. It says, should you not hear the words which the Lord cried by the former prophet when Jerusalem was inhabited and in prosperity? And the cities thereabout, round about, all right, her, when men inhabited the south and the plain. And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, execute true judgment. Show mercy and compassion every man to his brother. Oppress not the widow, nor fatherless, nor stranger, nor poor. Which means anybody you have more power than. And then he says, and imagine, do not imagine evil in your heart against your brother. That is talking now even about your imagination of your heart, what you are thinking to the other people. That's why Job 42 and verse 10, and this you really need to think about this, says, and, and God turned the captivity of, Job 42 and verse 10, the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. The Lord gave him 
twice as much as he had before. You know, when heaven gives something, then with your labor, you can gather it easily. The Lord gave him twice, but he turned the captivity in his life when Job's attitude towards his friends changed. Hidden secret of Christianity is the fierce competition between friends. The envy that goes on. That's why he says a man's enemies are those of his house, especially those of his house. All right? That's why he says that. And a person who truly, from their own heart, truly, from their heart, all right, prays for other people and seeks for opportunities to help, all right, other people. Genuinely, from their heart. I mean, people tell me this, and it's one of the things that gladdens my heart the most. People tell me, listen to me, I came to speak at Warbeck, he was a minister. I saw his poster somewhere, he was speaking somewhere in America. Ah, I said, okay, ah, I said, Pastor, I can't tell you the countless invitations I've gotten from standing on your podium and preaching. I told him, I said, this is what gladdens my heart. He looked at me. Ah, he said, you have the heart of a father. You can't be competing with people now. Do you understand what I'm saying? Ah, so next time you say, it's only me, therefore, that will preach you. So that all the... the <laughs> you know, these things, I'm telling you, attest. Reverend Mark Hankins, I, he told me something. I said, oh, you speak for Ken Tegan. He said, let me tell you. He said, Ken Tegan wasn't inviting him to speak at, at camp meeting. This is before Ken Tegan went home to be with the Lord. He said, something happened. He was telling me here. When he came to preach, he said um, there was a minister, he put out his partner's letter two weeks before the camp meeting, and he put out his partner's letter to his partners and wrote the fresh revelation God had given to him. He said there was this minister who was going to now speak at camp meeting. He took that partner's letter and shared it from the beginning to the end with no reference to him. And you know when you're saying, and the Lord spoke to me and just told me this, he said, he sat down there. I heard him say, the Lord told me this, and the Lord told me that. He said he released the man totally from his heart. He said the next day, at the end of the camp meeting, Ken Tegan came to meet me and said, you are speaking next year. And he has been speaking in camp meeting every year from that time. And that was the last time that man spoke. But God tested him. You now get up there and start telling everybody. You tell 30 people it was your message. That's your audience. The 30 people you spoke to, God says you have your reward. Do it my way and I will open the world to you. That's judgment. Last in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 10. So you, you've, you've got to, I mean, there was somebody that used to preach against Archbishop Idahosan. Bishop Idahosan said, he said one day Archbishop bought him a brand new Mercedes Benz and said, I'm going to give this person this gift. He said, he told him, he said, sir, this man that talks down on you, everything, he said, I will not be where I am today if that man didn't contribute. Leave him, let him be saying this one now. He has already contributed. He went to meet him, sir, this thing the Lord gave me to give you. Look, you have to understand this in life. There are people that will love you, help you, against you, but you must still remain the same. 
Let me give you an example. John the Baptist was the one who said of Jesus, this is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. At his ordination and baptize, baptize, when he was baptism and ordained him into ministry and said, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The same John, when he was in prison, said, go and find out, is this the Messiah or is there one to come? The same person. Listen, it's not that people told him this Jesus. He came with the revelation. So people can come and meet you and say, you are the most and tomorrow they are saying that, look, my friend, there's no mind. But you must remain who you are to them, even if they change to you. Are you following what I'm saying? All right, Proverbs 23. It says, eat not the bread, now think about this, of him that hath an evil eye. Now, an evil eye is, is witchcraft now. All right, neither desire the, his dainty meat. All right, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he saith unto thee, but his heart is not with thee. He says that, but say, the muscle which thou hast eaten, thou shalt vomit up, and thou shalt do what? Lose thy sweet words. Now, you just think about this. If you went to eat the meat of him that had an evil eye, and he says that, for as he thinketh in his heart. In other words, the person didn't voice out the thoughts. They were thinking it in their heart. But the scripture says, don't eat that person's meat, which means you should know the hidden thoughts of that person's heart. Do you get what he's saying there? Which means that person shows you what the hidden thoughts are by their body language. But what will make you continuously eat it is greed. You want the dainty meat. This is why I say that gifts you are collecting up and down. Stop. Because you don't know when the giver is a wizard. Do you understand what I'm saying? No. And he says that you lose your sweet words. That means that person becomes bitter for a very long time in life. And he says you know because it's the intimate, the person shows you. But you, you, you got the red, but, but ah, what this person has put on the table. Ah. I will eat and, and run like before. This time, you are dealing with someone who has an evil eye. In other words, once they look at you, they change things in your life. Are you following what I'm saying? Jonah 3.10. Close with this here. It says, now, Jonah went to preach somewhere. I just want to show you things that are in people's hearts, how it influenced their life. And when he went to preach, God saw their works, that they had turned from their evil way. God repented the evil, he said, and he would do unto them, and he did not. Verse 11, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. That's, it displeased Jonah. That God did something for people, and Jonah was displeased. That God promotes people, and some people are what? Displeased. Yet, these are the same people that say, God will give me unmerited favor. But they say that this person didn't merit it. But you are believing for what? Unmerited favor. Before you receive unmerited favor, God will show somebody unmerited favor around you and lift the person up. And he says, rejoice with that person. If you rejoice, then you open up the legal framework to experience unmerited favor. But if you say, listen to me, I don't know what's going on. It's no longer meritocracy. It is meritocracy. It is meritocracy. Then you are putting yourself 
in the problem. So he says this. He displeased and he was very angry. You know that when Jesus came, he told us, if you have anger in your heart towards a person without cause, it's murder. You're angry with somebody without cause? It's like you, as far as the spirit realm is concerned, you went to kill the person. All right? Without cause shall be in danger of what? Judgment. Okay, let's go back. So he says this. He was upset. Let's go back to, all right. All right? And, and said, I prayed the Lord. I was in, once when I was yet in my own country, therefore I fled to touch it. For I knew that thou art a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger. So you knew now, all right? And of great kindness and repentance thee of evil. So what's the problem? Next verse. He says, therefore now, O Lord, I beseech thee. And death was so close to his mouth. Take my life from me. You said many times he's, he almost spoke death into himself. For it is better for me to do what? Die. Than to do what? Live. Verse 4. And, he, and then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? Verse 5. They say, so Jonah went out of the city, sat on the east side of the city, and then made him a booth, and sat under it in the shadow, till he might see what would become of the city. Verse 6. And the Lord prepared a God which was like a branch, and made it to come up over Jonah, that it might be a shadow over his head, to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the God. So he was happy about it, like a branch came and created shade. Then God prepared a worm when it was morning and rose the next day, and he smote the God that he withered. Verse 8, and it came to pass when the sun did arise, God did prepare a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, and he fainted, and wished himself to die, and said, it is better for me to die than to leave everything was die. And God said to Jonah, doest thou well to be angry for the God? And he said, do, he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. And verse 10, the Lord said, thou had pity on this God here for that which had not, now look at what, for that which thou hast not labored, neither made it grow, which came up by night and perished in the night. He says, should I, should not I spare Nineveh, the great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that can descend between their right and left hand and also much cattle. Now, here's what God is saying here. You are displeased at what I'm doing in somebody's life that they did not merit. He said, everything I do in your own life that you did not merit, a warm accesses. That's what he shows. So if you see somebody with something they didn't merit, leave them with God. Don't even allow it in your thought life. Don't even, all right, tell yourself to be displeased. If the feeling comes up, open your mouth and declare that I rejoice with those that rejoice. It is in the hands of God. And be a positive person. Someone who out of your being, as they'll say, the, the kind of vibes that comes out of you is the good stuff that comes out towards other people. You'll see how much. There's too much bottled hatred in people hidden things within their thought life that is hindering them, all right, from moving ahead. Open up your heart, all right? Let people live. Pray for them. If people make mistakes, pray for them and intercede for them and, and have that good disposition, all right, and goodwill towards uh, uh, people there and handle stuff properly. Look, there are different ways in which you can handle I read a story of my classmates' group. I know some of you read this on WhatsApp. I found that very wise. A woman, a person, a young man got married, and the parents started seeing him in their house every 
every day. He would come through after work to their house and come through after work to their house and come through. And after time, he brought his friend. So the mother now called the friend and said, what's the problem? How come he's always coming back to the house after he has gotten married? He said his wife cannot cook. He said, so he actually comes here to eat before he goes home. So he said, the mother didn't say anything. And she was a wise man, judgment. The mother called the wife and said, I want you to come and cook. My friends are coming for my old classmates for this, and you are the one going to cook. She was shaking. When she, woman, lady, young lady came, the mother said, stand by me. Hmm? See what I'm doing. So do this, help me, do this, put this here. And the mother did all the cooking. And then, ah, she said, I've overcooked more than my friends. So she gave her half. Take this half, take them home, eh, and be giving your husband. So after it finished six weeks, the husband started coming back again to their house. So she called the lady again and said, there's another party. Yeah, we, you need to cook again. And then did something like that, gave her again. Then the third time it happened again, the mother now said, come. You saw how I did it? She said, yes. Oh, yeah, do it. She did it and did it. It worked. The daughter came back and said, thank you. I realized what you did. You didn't scold me. You taught me. That thing can become world war that can stop the family. Where the mother-in-law comes and jacks the daughter. What type of woman and fire starts? There is what they call judgment. There is a way they may seem right to you, but it's not the godly way of doing it. That's why there are treasures of wisdom and knowledge that will make you handle a situation in a way that people will say, where did you get this wisdom and knowledge? The fact that it seems right to you doesn't mean it's the only way. Do you get what I'm saying? Particularly if the outcome is disastrous. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word and by the power of your spirit. I ask you cause this truth to be established in our hearts to grow and to bring forth powerful fruit within our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This podcast is brought to you by the Covenant Nation. For more information, visit www.insightsforliving.org. Thank you and God bless.